If you're seeing this on Black Friday, I really hope that this is one of the first videos that you get to see whenever you open up this app. Please like, share, comment, because this could change the perspective of many, many people around the consumerism and environmental degradation that is Black Friday. This is all about education, about how the capitalist system works and how we can change people's hearts and minds around their shopping habits. We're going to deep dive Buy Nothing Day. Buy Nothing Day is an international anti-capitalist movement. The movement originally started in 1992 up in Canada, but it has some roots that can be traced all the way back to 1899. It's always observed the last Friday of November. Some countries observe it on the last Saturday of that month. And some diehards will run it out through the entire weekend. All in all, about 35 countries around the world observe Buy Nothing Day. Now, like I said, the first Buy Nothing Day was organized in Canada in 1992. Uh, as you can see the quote here, a day of society to examine the issue of overconsumption. This was seen as a way to fight back uh, the barrage of marketing ads that we would see every single day leading up to Black Friday and the enticement of the sales and the coupons that would get people to overspend. Think of this as a way for Americans and residents all over the world to fight back on overshooting their own familial budget. This is to the point where people were marching in the streets, and they still do. Protesters are known to use guerrilla tactics uh, like street theater. Tactics also include uh, international boycotts around brands that are made in countries of origin where uh, there are wars happening or countries that support war. And war is the most environmentally destructive of all human activities because of the hyper-localized impacts over such a short amount of time to uh, people, air quality, water quality, uh, resources, soil health, and wildlife. So back to Buy Nothing Day, there's actually some interesting research around the impacts on the psyche of entire populations regarding the pressures of Black Friday. This is done on purpose. I feel as a society, this is where FOMO actually started. Hold on, my hair is getting totally obnoxious. It's going up. Whew, that's better. So in the early 90s, a company called Adbusters, which is a Canadian radical magazine, they're still around, you can definitely go check them out. They were at the forefront of what's called culture jamming. And they would encourage uh, their readers to have kind of protest parties and give them creative ideas on how to do that. So one of those would be uh, credit card cutting parties. Uh, another would be uh, handing out flyers to people coming in and out of uh, stores that were doing their purchasing and their shopping for Christmas um, to let them know about the movement and how they could get involved. They would also form long lines of people pushing just empty shopping carts around stores and they referred it to, uh, to it as Whirly Mart. Uh, four states in the U.S. hold uh, buy nothing coat exchanges, including Utah, and uh, this is seen as an alternative to Black Friday shopping. And then also uh, people would uh, dress up as zombies and walk through malls all across the country. <laughs> so part two of this is the environmental impacts piece. Black Friday supports our current linear economy. 
The linear economy is end-to-end -end consumerism and manufacturing. Think about it this way. Um, corporations will extract raw materials out of the earth. Uh, think crude oil to make plastics. Think uh, deforestation to make furniture and housing materials. Through that refining process, we get the materials that we can actually use in product. Now, once that product is made, then it gets shipped uh, through transportation lines, uh, trucking, overseas through shipping, um, rail, you name it. But it all leaves a footprint of uh, emissions through fossil fuel. After transportation comes the consumption part where these materials, these items end up on our store shelves and as consumers, we go to buy them. Why? Because it's the next big thing. It's shiny. It's a gadget. You name it. This is the FOMO piece of it, right? So after we buy the products, we bring them home and they'll last for six months, a year, couple of years. Uh, they don't make them like they used to is an actual thing because lower quality is actually actually better for the corporations. If it breaks, you got to buy another one, right? This is called planned obsolescence. Now, once that product breaks, then it probably is going to go to a landfill um, or an incinerator where we're burying or burning our trash. So again, you can see the end-to-end -end problem. Next here, you'll see that we have the recycling economy, which is kind of where we're shifting to right now. And there's a lot of recyclability around the current products that we do have, um, you know, Companies are using uh, less plastics and uh, we're having a, a whole movement around single plastic use issues. We know about the five gyres, um, you know, the swirling uh, garbage patches that are in each of our oceans that are more than double the size of Texas. So that means that there's some serious awareness that's happening uh, around consumers and what they're actually purchasing. They're becoming a lot more savvy to what businesses are putting out on the store shelves. So we are demanding as consumers that they green up their operations and they use less toxic materials that are more recyclable. The problem is, is that we will never recycle our way out of the plastic pollution crisis. We will never recycle our way out of the landfill crisis. Landfills are one of the top five emitters of climate change gases, especially whenever food waste is allowed into landfills. That food starts to biodegrade and puts off methane. Methane is 21 to 72 times more potent than carbon dioxide. What we really need is a circular economy. This takes the A to Z piece of linear economy and puts it into a loop to create a circle. When things go to the landfill, for every 10,000 tons, uh, you can create one job. For that same 10,000 tons, if it was recycled, you could uh, create four jobs. If it went to the composting sector, remember that food waste I talked about? Uh, it can create about 10 jobs. And for the reuse, repair, remanufacturing sector, we're talking 75 to 250 jobs for that same amount of waste that could have gone to the landfill, but it was captured and saved. The circular economy prioritizes reduction and reuse, reuse of the materials so that we don't have a need for landfills or incinerators. My whole goal as a professional zero waste um, uh, corporate trainer is to starve landfills. The circular economy is what's called regenerative. 
The regenerative design mimics nature. There is no waste in nature. All discards that are made or generated in nature are actually used by other species, uh, by the soil, by the air, water. Uh, so if we can mimic that no waste in nature piece, then we can get back to our this is going to come in the form of natural climate solutions, uh, green re, uh, infrastructure, remanufacturing, refabrication, reuse, repair, reduction, all those kind of re's that you can think of before we get to recycling and before we get to landfilling and incineration. So on this Black Friday, if you absolutely have to do your shopping now, please support small businesses and local artisans who make their entire living um, on their creativity. Steer clear of those big box stores. You can get out in nature, you can go camping, you can do whatever this weekend, but if you can participate in Buy Nothing Day, please, 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 please consider doing so. I'm Stacey Savage, a.k.a. the Texas Trash Talker. Peace. Short Cast Club.